Hello, dear friends. This is Pastor Evangelist Robert Venable. I'm so glad that you've tuned in to WMAF right there in Madison, North Florida, South Georgia. If you're listening while driving past Madison on the interstate, as long as you get this signal, I pray that you will stay tuned for this message from God's Word today. Amen. It'll tell you something about God that you need to know according to his own word and those who have come to know him. Praise God. So what I love about this teaching today, whatever we have learned from others about God down through the centuries that have come to know him, he is today and he always will be. He declares of himself that he is the Lord God of Israel and he changes not. And it is declared further in the New Testament because Jesus was God incarnate, God in flesh, very God and very man. And it speaks of him as Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. In a world that is in flux, a world that everything is constantly changing, it is so good to have an anchor for our soul in a God who changes not. Praise God. And a Jesus Christ that is the same Jesus that we are dealing with today that they dealt with on the shores of Galilee. Oh, friend of mine, we're so glad today to be with you. We're glad that you're with us. And we're glad that if you are part of the listening family consistently, that you have come back again. If you're a brand new listener, we welcome you today. We pray that this will be a Bible study that will intrigue you, will interest you, uh, but more importantly, will inform you from the scriptures that that you can read for yourself and and maybe just give you a little guidance in the understanding uh, of the scripture and an appreciation for a knowledge that is above all the knowledge that we could possibly acquire. And that's getting to know something about the character, the personality, the person of God himself. Hallelujah. Nothing like that to build your faith in God and release your trust in God today. We're talking about the love of God, faith's strong foundation. <laughs> I have also put out to the side in parentheses the incredible, indisputable, indispensable love of God. And our text is from Psalm 36 and verse 7. And it simply says, How excellent is thy loving kindness, O God! Therefore the children of men put their trust in the shadow of thy wings. I'm going to read it again from the Amplified that says, How precious is your steadfast love. And one paraphrase reads, How eager we are, therefore, to run under your wings. Praise God. Because of that love, God has a tender heart. And from that tender heart, there flows a very tenacious love a strong and a powerful love. And the Apostle Paul, who sustained great faith in the face of tremendous trials and testings and persecutions, revealed the source of his bold faith and his great confidence in God. And I want to read that. It's all based on the foundation of understanding, appreciating, and appropriating 
God's love in your life. God's love for you, even when it looks like uh, that, that through circumstances at any given time that God may have withdrawn or God is not involved or God doesn't care or God even worse uh, brought the pain and brought the hurt. Friend of mine, God is not the initiator of all of the harm and hurt in this world. It is because that man strayed from God and allowed the enemy of his soul, the destroyer, Apollyon, Satan, the accuser of the brethren, this this angel that has been booted out of heaven and banned from heaven has come down to influence events upon this earth as the power of the air, the prince of darkness. Listen to me carefully today. I want to make it very clear. God should not be blamed for all of the... He didn't initiate the death. He didn't initiate any disease. He didn't initiate any of the, of the terrible events that occur in a fallen world where sin and Satan have the... The, the influence because of the darkness that is in the world. But I'm going to tell you right now, if you put your trust in God, if we look to Him with all of our heart, there is nothing that can occur in our faulty bodies in this fallen world that God cannot deliver us from and take us through with grace and mercy peace and power. There is victory in Jesus today. And thank God for the hope that goes beyond this old fallen world, hallelujah, that reaches into eternity where there will never be another child die. There'll never be another mama die, nor daddy die. There will be no death forever. Amen. The last enemy to be destroyed is physical death. And when Christ comes, that enemy will fall and that will end, end the reign of hurt and harm and pain and heartache forever and forever. Praise God. Well, let's look at the scripture together today and look at how the Apostle Paul got through his trials, his tests, his tribulations, what sustained him. He said in Romans 8, in verse 35 through 39, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, For thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Hallelujah. Three times in these, these, these few verses of Scripture, the love of God is presented as the foundation for an unfailing, unflinching faith in the face of all kinds of persecutions, trials, tests, difficulties that were befalling the great Apostle Paul. He said, none of these will ever be able 
to separate me from the love of God. In other words, nothing would be able to to convince him that God did not love him because of what Christ has done in our behalf on the cross. That love was a settled reality in Paul's life. He may doubt himself. He may doubt his own faith. But he would not doubt the love of God in his life. I want to read it from one paraphrase that I really like. He said, none of this phases us because Jesus loves us. I am absolutely convinced that nothing, nothing living or dead, angelic or demonic, today or tomorrow, high or low, thinkable or unthinkable, absolutely nothing can get between us and God's love because of the way Jesus, our Master, has embraced us. Hallelujah. Oh, friend, how excellent is thy loving kindness, O God. Therefore, the sons of men put their trust under the shadow of thy wing. Because of that tender heart and this tenacious love, this love that will not fail us, will not let us go, God has a tremendous capacity for forgiveness. Listen to Psalm 51. It says, and, and I like what it says above the psalm, who, who it was written uh, to and what the circumstances were. It says to the chief musician, a psalm of David, when Nathan the prophet came to him after he had sinned with Bathsheba. Listen to what he said while under deep conviction and needing desperately God's forgiveness through repentance. Listen to what David said. Have mercy on me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. One translator says in a paraphrase, Have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love. I like that. Because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sin. And I love what Psalm 130 says about God's willingness to forgive because of His compassion, His mercy, His loving kindness. Psalm 130 and 3 and 4, verses 3 and 4. It says, If thou, Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who shall stand? But there is forgiveness with thee, that thou mayest be feared. You see, this is why that I preach repentance so consistently and strongly, for it is the pathway to God's forgiveness and restoration. I want to say that again. It's because of God's great love, His willingness to forgive and to restore. That's why that I preach repentance so strongly, because it is the pathway to God's forgiveness and restoration. It is not to condemn, but to convict, so that we will repent and seek forgiveness. Praise God. I want to say that again. It is not to condemn, but to convict. And we should welcome conviction because conviction can bring us to a place of repentance. And repentance will certainly bring us to a place of restoration, beginning with that relationship with God that has been broken and then the restoration. God restores to us 
the years as he put it in Lamentations, amen, and the years that he put it in the Old Covenant. The years can be restored. In Lamentations, there had been a, a such an abject rebellion and rejection of God's word, and there was no repentance. and And now they are they are being carried away captive uh, to serve the king of Babylon. Listen, friend, they they were heartbroken. All hope seemed to be gone. And their preacher in that day that preached repentance and didn't see it occur, uh, uh, he knew that God was a merciful God. And he said, when I look at what has happened and what is happening, when I consider Lamentations chapter 3, uh, Jeremiah writing, and when I consider the wormwood and the gall, the bitterness of it all, the brokenness of our nation, the brokenness of our hope and our heart, he, he said, it, it, my soul is humbled within me. This is a negative use of that very positive virtue of humility and being humble. This means crushed within me. Literally, my heart is broken within me. I am crushed when I see what sin and rebellion has allowed to come upon the covenant people of God. But he said this, I recall to mind, therefore, I have hope. <laughs> Praise God. What did he recall to mind? He said it in the next verse. Thy mercies are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Hallelujah. And later in the history of Israel, they were delivered from the king of Babylon. A new generation came home and God restored their fortunes. They rebuilt their cities because they reestablished their relationship with him. Hallelujah. Oh, friend, it doesn't matter how far you may have drifted from God and what it has cost you. If you repent of your sin and I repent of my sin, if we come back to God today. He is a merciful God. In fact, His mercies are new every morning. Every day that the sun rises, God is faithful to His own character of love and mercy, therefore. Hallelujah. Every day the sun rises can be a brand new beginning if we repent and return to the Lord. The Bible said God will reciprocate. He will return to us if we will return to Him. And He says, draw nigh to me. Don't keep running from Him in shame and don't keep running from Him in, in some kind of, of fear uh, that God has, has no love for me and doesn't want anything to do with me. Friend of mine, God wants everything to do with you. God wants you home. If you're a prodigal son, the father is watching every single day for your return. And when the prodigal son came back and he saw him afar off, he didn't wait for him to drag himself in with his tail tucked between his legs. He ran to him. He ran to him. And he embraced him. And he kissed him. And more important to that son than anything else that was about to occur in terms of restoration was the kiss of his father, the love of his father. That love had never died for him. God did not quit 
loving us if we failed him. He was waiting for us, longing for us to return to him that he might return to us. And even when judgments are mandatory because of God's holiness and chastisements are flowing in the land, God is willing, if we return and repent, to restore, hallelujah, our relationship with Him and His blessings upon our life. He didn't just restore them to their land. The Bible said He restored their fortunes. Praise God. So if God is so willing to forgive we, therefore, should be willing to repent. In the Amplified of this scripture, it said, If you, Lord, should keep account of and treat us according to our sins, O Lord, who could stand? But there is forgiveness with you. Just what man needs that you may be reverently feared and worship. Hallelujah. You see, friend, repentance... And confession of sins is not a humiliating, self-degrading experience. It's not a guilt trip. It is an escape from guilt and an open door from the prison of fear and depression. It's an opportunity to be set free from sin's power and its consequence. It's an occasion for joy and celebration, power and peace. Someone has said there's never been a true revival, a great revival that was not marked with joyous singing. Never been a time when repentance has brought restoration and therefore revival that there wasn't great joy. Hallelujah. Praise God. Listen, friend, the, 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 the title, Hell and Brim, Fire and Brimstone, preaching about heaven and hell, heaven sweet and hell hot, is, is a, a passe thing. It's a, it's, it seems to be something we don't want to even think about. And if someone mentioned the issue of where we're going to spend eternity, let alone our relationship with God, or let alone this, our sins and our need to repent, we draw back. It's something that many preachers today are very timid about mentioning in their sermons. Oh, friend of mine, we have a great enemy in the devil, but we have a great ally in Jesus Christ. And we shouldn't draw back when the Holy Spirit convicts us of any sin. We should run to, to God. We should run to Christ for forgiveness so that there could be restoration of fellowship with God, number one, and then the restoration of what sin has cost us. Amen. David said something so powerful in Psalm 23, the great shepherd's psalm. He said, when he anoints my head with oil and my cup runneth over, he restores my soul. Hallelujah. And the prophet of old said of God, when Israel had lost so much because of sin and rebellion, rebellion, he said, I will restore unto you. God speaks through his prophet, I will restore unto you the years that the caterpillar canker worm the locust has eaten away. For I will give you the former and the latter rain in a season. 
in an agricultural give driven economy when the when the locusts have come and destroyed the crops and eaten the stalks down to the ground and there's nothing but devastation it would take many years to replant and recover but god said i'm going to restore in a in a, a shortened time a very condensed amount of time the years I'm going to restore in a season. Oh, hallelujah. Because I'm going to send you the former and the latter rain in one season to restore all those years, those wasted, devastated years. No, friend, because you have not drifted too far from God that God isn't waiting for you to repent and come home to Him. His love for you has not diminished. You have you have uh, put yourself in a position where He can't express that love through His keeping power and His forgiveness and His blessing and His restoration. But His love is intact for you. See, one of the great lies of the enemy of your soul and mine, if you've failed God, if you've drifted away from God, if you are a backslider, is this. God doesn't love you. God couldn't possibly want you. God couldn't possibly forgive you. He doesn't want anything to do with you. And nothing could be farther from the truth. In fact, in the Old Covenant, there's a scripture concerning Israel and their covenant with God, ancient Israel, that I am married to the backslider. What does that mean? It means that you broke you're part of the covenant. But if you come back to God, He still sees you as His covenant child, His covenant person, His covenant people. Praise God. You walked away from Him. He didn't walk away from you. And if you come back to Him, He will restore that broken relationship. And then He will restore what it has cost you. He doesn't want you to live a lifetime paying for past sins that have now been forgiven. I want to say that loud. I want to say it clear. He does not want you to be punished the rest of your life. For even though we got ourselves into the mess that we have made, and we've hurt a lot of people, God says, I will forgive you. And I will restore those years. I will wipe away those tears. I will restore those years. He, he will take away that brokenness, that shame. You see, there's some of you today that, that have never met the Lord. And you have sinned against Him. And now you're realizing that I've sinned against God. How could He want to love me? How could He forgive me? There may be someone listening to this broadcast right now that is in a penal institution. You are, you are in prison and you committed the crime and you deserve the punishment that has been adjudicated through a court and now you are, you are serving that time. I want you to know something today. God loves you. And God cares deeply about where you spend eternity. And not only where you spend eternity, but how you live out the rest of your life right here and right now. I feel that there's someone in prison, in jail, hearing this broadcast today. However, it's coming to you and you feel like you are hopeless, you are worthless, and, and you deserve to be hated by God because so many people may hate you. I want you to know in spite of all of that, God loves you today. 
because his love is that strong. It was strong enough for him to send his son to die so you could be forgiven, so you could be saved, so you could be restored. Oh, friend of mine, God is a God of grace. God is a God of mercy. God is a God of judgment and chastisement because he is holy. And in his holiness, he's obligated to judge sin. But he desperately wants to save the sinner. Hallelujah. And friend of mine, I want you to take courage today. I want you to take, have hope arise in your heart. Jeremiah said in Lamentations 3, When I consider the wormwood and the gall, the bitterness, my soul is crushed within me. But this I recall to mind. Therefore I have hope. Thy mercies are new every morning. And I declare unto you, when the sun comes up every day, God is offering His mercy, His forgiveness, His restoration to you. Hallelujah. And it, the next verse says, Great is thy faithfulness. God is faithful to his character. God is faithful to his, his personality. God is faithful to his promise. Hallelujah. And his purpose to love you, to forgive you, to restore you. There's forgiveness with him that he might be feared in the sense of that reverence and that reciprocal love that we would love him back for loving us enough to give his son and Christ loving us to stay on the cross. The strongest man that's ever lived was not Samson. It was not, it wasn't, it wasn't the fictional character of Superman. <laughs> Amen. It was Christ, the God, the creator of the universe made flesh. And yet this mighty one of Israel in human form, in human flesh, stayed on the cross when he could have called him, set himself, the armies of heaven to deliver him. But he stayed on the cross of his own accord. Nails didn't hold him. Love for you and me held him, held him fast to that cross in pain beyond comprehension, beyond the, the ability to truly describe, I've heard doctors try to describe that pain, and they simply can't do justice to the agony that the cross and crucifixion really created in a human body. A friend of mine, all of that is because he loved you. And when Paul was under the gun, when Paul was under intense persecution and testing and circumstances, one thing held him like a mighty anchor, like a rock, an immovable rock, a foundation for his faith. Nothing, he said, can separate me from the love of God that is in Jesus. And it was particularly shown in Jesus on the cross where he died for you, and he died for me. See, friend, repentance brings restoration, and restoration brings joy. Hallelujah. So, I want you to know the joy today of repentance and the joy of restoration. Listen to Psalm 126. It said, When the Lord brought back the captives to Zion, we were like men who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. 
Then it was said among the nations, The Lord hath done great things for them. The Lord hath done great things for us, and we are filled with joy. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like streams in the Negev. Those who sow in tears will reap songs of joy. He who goes out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with him. When God turns the captivity of Zion, then was our mouth filled with song. Hallelujah. Our tongues with songs of joy. Our mouths filled with laughter. Glory to God. Could it be today that someone listening to this broadcast right now is going to run to God, repenting of your sin and receiving His forgiveness instead of running from God and staying in that place where the enemy wants you to stay of depression, defeat, and hopelessness. And I pray today that you will turn toward home right now, that you will run to God and not run away from Him, and that you will let Him run to you. He won't wait for you to drag yourself home. He's watching for you right now. And when he sees you afar off, according to the scripture, he's going to come running. The first thing he's going to do is embrace you, kiss you, forgive you, and then restore your soul. Oh, friend of mine, what a great God we serve. What a great gospel we preach. What a great Jesus we have that loved us so much. So I'm going to tell you right now that we are absolutely committed this year to taking this message to all of the world. Pray for us as we pray for you and come back next week and let's talk about Jesus. <laughs>